Hey there, and welcome to Blazing the Path, hosted by Rob Hetherington. This is a Portland Trailblazers podcast by a fan for the fans. Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Welcome to another episode of Blazing the Path. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. And today we have an amazing podcast awaiting a season preview. First, without bearing the lead, let's introduce, of course, the host of the show, um, Rob Hetherington. Uh, Rob, how you doing, man? Good, man. Can't complain. It's it's opening night eve. Cannot wait. There you go. You can find um, Rob on Twitter at Rob underscore Heth, H-E-T-H. And we have a very special guest today. We are both pumped to be joined by Miss Tara Bowen Biggs. You can find her on Twitter at the amazing name Team Mom, but at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. Uh, she is the co-host of the We Have a Take podcast, as well as the Stepsisters podcast, and is all over NBA Twitter, is just the queen of Blazers Twitter. Uh, Tara, how are you today? I am so honored and excited to be here with you guys. That was a super nice introduction. We are lucky that we have several women who are really well-known and strong personalities in uh, Blazer Twitter, and I am thrilled to be considered among them. There, that's amazing. Definitely. It's a very good community. I'm honored just by joining Rob to be understanding more and more of this community. So thank you for that Likewise. for sure. And yeah, this is going to be fun. Um. Rob, let, let's kind of break it down, kind of how we're going to go into the show with the preview here. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We got a, a really interesting look at the whole NBA. Uh, while we are a Blazers podcast, we do, of course, cover the whole NBA. Eastern Conference preview, Western Conference preview. Uh, look at some of the teams that look poised this year, like the most poised. Uh, and then uh, some Blazers questions, uh, you know. Long, longer offseason. Is this going to be one of the years where we see a healthier Blazers team? I hope so. See what you guys think. And some preseason standouts and changes. Uh, on the last episode, Corbin and I took a brief look at the preseason. Um, and Tara's definitely got a little bit more knowledge on the preseason. I don't think Corbin and I did like an in-depth look. Uh, I'm very excited to hear Tara's outlook on on the preseason, um, just some of the standouts and some of the team changes. For me, what stood out this past week as we're really gearing up for the preseason is just those first and second quarters, man, of those starters. Some of them look crazy, like John Collins, John Morant. They really look re- really look ready to take over the league this year. Uh, yeah, I definitely would agree. You saw a lot of them just kind of go in and immediately – um, make some plays. I mean, and I don't know about you, Tara, like Rob said, I watched some preseason, but I'm not thoroughly invested in that. I'm more excited with summer league because the excitement of, oh my gosh, you know, like you're still off of the, the buzz of the NBA finals and everything. Preseason comes and it's like, I feel like it's like the dress rehearsal for the NBA. And I'm also doing a dress rehearsal for my own like NBA coverage. So I'm not fully invested there, but like Rob was saying, yeah, how do you kind of look at it? And what did you, what were your standouts there? Well, so for you brought up Summer League. And for me, it's I love Summer League. I listened to your guys' last episode and Corbin, you talked about going to Summer League. I've been like five or six years and it is just an absolute blast. But the hardest thing 
is getting used to watching the finals and the teams being at the absolute pinnacle of performance and so fine-tuned and maybe tired but like playing their best basketball and then a few weeks later you're at summer league and it's like oh my gosh what happened to my eyes it, it's just like is this basketball compared to what we were watching yeah but it's it's really fun though because like those like dunks, like the missed, it, I always say, describe it as just a series of missed dunks and block shots into the 20th row because like nobody does anything by half measures. It's like they just go like all out. So uh, very much of a contrast from, you know, the, the more measured and deliberate play of the finals. So for me, preseason is we're watching the WNBA playoffs again, professionals at the top of their game playing yeah. absolutely the most. And then to like turn that off and go watch a NBA preseason game. It's like, Oh my gosh, my eyes are hurting. What is this What is going <laughs> on? Oh my gosh. That having been said, I um, was like totally eager to tune in to the very first preseason game that was televised because I just wanted to watch some basketball. And you guys uh, mentioned a couple of, um, you know, some of the young guys, like maybe some of the sophomores who are really breaking out in summer league. I have a confession. I love watching the Kings right now. The Kings oh, yeah. are a blast. I I watched that. I watched, I watch, actually watched the Sacramento Summer League um, games, you know, like nobody watches those, right? Corbin, and so I that was did when too. I. Did you watch those too? I did. I did do a few of those. Yes. Mitchell was like from the get go, he was Over. so fun and exciting. Yes. He really was. I've never been more excited to see him play defense, like you said. Like, Wow, it was engrossing. Yeah, like from those, you know, early games in the gym. He was he was great. And so what I was super excited to see is that he has not dropped off. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen when the season started. But with the Kings, there's a perfectly good chance that he'll be seeing a lot of regular playing time. And yeah. so he was one of the people that stood out to me in Summer League, the fact that he could – or um, sorry – in the preseason, in that he could still manage to like give guy. What is it? Off night? Is yep, that his nickname? That's <laughs> such a good nickname too. That's like yeah. one of the best nicknames I've heard in a while. You said it. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Totally understandable where that came from. I still, it still boggles me that he's not related to Donovan Mitchell because they have the forty-five. They're both absolutely bonkers on defense, especially in college. Uh, Donovan at Louisville and then Davion at, at Baylor. And I just, I can't get over it. The similarities are just crazy. Well, and they, they're kind of shaped the same. They kind of move the same. Cause I remember the first game I was watching him, I was like, is, I mean, I looked on Wikipedia to see, are they brothers? Cause he just looked and moved so much like him. Yeah. Yeah. It was very surreal. Very, very interesting. The matchup is going to be played over and over, like, you know, on Twitter, social media, I'm going to love it. Cause it's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm, it was definitely surreal to see and his three point shot or his three ball. I mean, it was kind of talked about as like a potential weakness of his game, although he had a, a decent year. It, it's so far so good. And that's something that I did check in seems to have followed through in preseason so far. So, I mean, if we get another two way player like that alongside that backcourt, you know, of, um, Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. This is gonna be a fun little three-man point guard lineup. I'm all I'm an agent of chaos for NBA. Like I love all the craziness, and I'm gonna be a fan of this. I love chaos. I am a huge yes. Al Farouk Aminu fan. That is how much I love chaos. Wow, there you are. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh man, but um, Robert, we ready to kind of go in then to uh, a little bit of the divisions? 
Absolutely. I do just have to say, I don't know if I got to it on the last podcast. Shout out Jordan Nawara for summer league and preseason. Uh, believe it or not, my little high school in Western New York, Newfane, played his high school park, I believe, his junior or senior year. And my one of my buddies guarded him. I, I don't know how he did it. <laughs> he he was just an absolute beast at every level he's played at. And he, he shows he shows the poise to be on the team with Giannis, you know, have an increased role this year with the Bucks. I'm I'm excited to see someone from from my hometown area really killing it. I love that. Is he the most is he the most famous uh, NBA player from your immediate area? He's going to be, I don't, I've brought it up. Like, you know, when I'm out at restaurants and stuff with people watching WNBA and whatnot that I see are really in tune to the game. And, and a lot of people, uh, he was, he was a, he was a humble, you know, just go getter really from what, what everyone's told me and, you know, seeing him play and everything, uh, especially kind of similar to Donovan Mitchell at Louisville. A lot of those guys are, um, they really just come in and just absolutely destroy defenses and then go home. <laughs> <laughs> hey Corbin, how about you? If uh, uh, you know guys that you played in your high school or against your high school or around your uh, area where you grew up, you probably got a few of them. I mean, you know, it's funny. I'm weird about it. so, like, okay, Josh Christopher was someone with the Rockets from ASU that I really followed. Um, as far as U of A, it is a little different. I'm not okay. So I'm weird about college. I'm not. I watch college basketball when March Madness comes, but my college experience was primarily just getting through school. I had no allegiance, no alliance. Like, <laughs> it was all about the NBA for me. If you happen to play for an Arizona team, good for you. You know what I mean? Um, the only one I actually knew, actually, personally, was, um, and it's unfortunate because he never actually was able to go to the NBA, but Jahi Carson um, was big a couple years back. He actually was going to go declare for the 2013 NBA draft, um, decided not to. I um, went back to school, injured his leg, and then unfortunately went undrafted. And he's made carved himself a little career of himself overseas. But he would have been like, I mean, that was a draft with Anthony Bennett and other guys like that. Like he would have been like top five, and you know, it'd been really totally different for him. So that was the last guy I was invested in that way. Aside from that, I'm like, oh, Arizona, not bad. But I have more of excitement if they're from New York. I'm like, okay, like another New Yorker. Like here we go. Then I do it from Arizona, where I'm like, you know, school. It was a blur. I was trying to get out. <laughs> I know it's not the most <laughs> like romantic thing in terms of college there but yeah there's a few guys i mean i would say josh christopher is the most one i was most interested in this year um to see how he plays with the rockets because he did come with the type of style i like i'm a big fan of just putting the ball in the basket you know i'm i love the finer tenets of the game and understanding it but i love seeing the ball go in the basket that's how i was when i was six and it's followed up to now so uh he's i would say is my guy that counts as someone who um you know arizona guy uh you know and is now going over to uh, houston we'll see how he does Arizona State guy, Bobby Arizona Hurley, uh, one of the one of the crazy good coaches uh, that was once upon a time at UB a few years ago, University of yep, Buffalo. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just an absolute brain at, at point guard and just running an offense. Um, did some damage uh, with the Duke Blue Devils in his day. Yeah. But Josh, Josh Christopher, I, I don't know. This Rockets team is going to be fun to watch. This is probably up there in the last decade for me of like – young guys that are coming into the league that are just already going to be fun to watch. I remember, like you said, 2013 draft, that was, that was a time when it seemed like the established guys were the established guys. And it was a little tougher to get into the league. And now you look at teams like the Rockets, the magic, 
I mean, maybe the Magic don't win <laughs> 40, 45 games this year. I don't think anyone expects that. But just watching Cole Anthony uh, last season, um, one of probably my biggest all-rookie team snubs, watching him in uh, summer league and uh, in preseason, he just he's hitting daggers. He's hitting them from halfway between the three-point line and half court. A lot of fun teams to watch this year. And Kevin Porter Jr. is my guy with the Rockets, too. Very excited for them. And and so uh, thinking, well, we'll get to the Eastern Conference preview here. Uh, All right. Maybe not, you know, the forte of this podcast, but definitely something that every year is fun to watch. And my team prior to the Blazers, surprisingly, um, just because the Braves were shipped out long before my inception, <laughs> is uh, the New York Knicks. So, um, definitely a lot of fun teams to watch in the East and it, and it seems to be on the come up after a few years of, uh, Western conference dominance. Definitely. I think the Knicks have had, a what, after a couple of years of just being embarrassing to talk about with family and friends from up there, you know, last year they, they went a different route. They didn't go chasing all the big fish. You know, they made some timely signings, found a committed identity to defense, had a great year. Um, you know, definitely over-exceeded expectations, I think, for a lot of folks. Um, in the playoffs, I think, of course, unfortunately, their weaknesses did come to bear, or just especially their more rather anemic offense. But, you know, there was uh, something to build off with the great play of Julius Randle, with that defense, you know, held by Tom Thibodeau, with um, the increased uh, level of play of uh, R.J. Barrett is continuing to develop. So there was a lot of good that happened there. And I think this offseason, you just saw the Knicks really commit to that core, you know, re-signing Derrick Rose and Nerlens Noel and, I mean, even Taj Gibson. They had to pick between Reggie Bullock and um, Alec Burks, and they ultimately went with Alec Burks because of his ability to, you know, create more off the dribble than Reggie Bullock, who was just a better standstill three-point shooter. But they're kind of rolling back the same team with the exception of um, a, a signing of Evan Fournier uh, that was pretty good, and as well as uh, acquiring uh, Kemba Walker as well. So uh, definitely intrigued by both of your thoughts, Tara, you, and then Rob, as far as, like, what do you think they look like? But I, I think that, you know, they took the same team, gave themselves a little bit of a facelift. I think the league is better when the Knicks are better. So I think it's exciting that they're, uh, you know, they, they have had more success in the in the past years. I'm excited for it. And I just enjoy, like, watching uh, Nets fans. I'm not interested in, like, wading in and actually, like, getting face-to-face with any of them, but watching from a distance I find quite fascinating um, with, you know, a team that, uh, you know, a, a region that has so many teams that they can identify with, that they have thrown the, you know, the people who've thrown their lot in with the uh, New York Knicks and support the Knicks. I, I think they're really interesting. I'm totally fascinated by Brooklyn and um, I'd like sort of like the top four are really the, you know, um, Milwaukee, of course, and Brooklyn and uh, the 76ers and the Knicks. Well, the Knicks aren't part of the top four, but those are the ones that I find probably the most interesting, you know, the six because of the 76ers just because of the drama. And I just, don't think that they're as good as everybody has always thought that they were. I just always thought that they were overrated and I'm very curious to see what happens there. And then I think I always underrated the Bucks, and partly probably because I'm reading the book about Giannis right right now, which is just so good. And if you guys haven't read it, like there's no way you can read this and not just love this guy <laughs> and, and want to cheer for him. So um, that's why I'm interested. But do you guys think what do, you, what do you think about the – I'm mostly interested in the Brooklyn and the 76ers. What do you all think is going to happen there? I mean, it's going to be weird. I think Brooklyn is probably better suited. 
uh, because you do have a, a player at the level of, of uh, James Harden to go alongside Durant, and you can kind of replicate the model of point guard and, and shot maker with James Harden assuming those roles he already basically had last season with Kyrie the shooting guard. But still, I mean, you kind of build your team around all three of them, and now you have two. You know, you're going to feel that loss, you know, whether you have two weeks to prepare, three weeks to prepare, a month to prepare, you know, it doesn't really matter. So I definitely am, am, am shaky on, you know, surefire lots like I thought they were, but at the same time, there's talent there. Um, unfortunately, with the 76ers, and I think, Rob, I'll definitely throw it over to you here. I just feel like, you know, they don't know what where they're at. I mean, Ben Simmons today, I mean, practicing in sweats and, and a phone in his pocket, he's obviously not invested. We've seen this dance before with many other, you know, discontented, they're discontent superstars. Um, so whether he's gone, you know, how are they going to look? They already have injuries to their remaining point guard depth, especially with Shake Milton going to be out for a while. And then you're going to work around Joel Embiid, but you know he's going to miss at least 20 games a season, unfortunately, due to injury. But even if not, um, you don't know what your return is. There's a lot more unknown there. You don't know what level of play Simmons will be. You don't know what you'll get back from. You don't know if he's going to play 100% of the games and where they're going to land. So I definitely want to throw to you, Rob. But I like, like Tara, I, I do agree. It's a lot of questions on both sides. Um, I just feel maybe more confident with Brooklyn than I am with Philadelphia. And that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah, so just truth be told, I, I try to keep it as unbiased as possible about the rest of the league, even though every year, if it's not the Blazers, I kind of tune out a little bit. But that being said, with the Atlantic division, I got to say, I think it's back, baby. I think it's back. I really think this is going to be like like the Blazers division in, in the Western Conference with the uh, Northwest, where you see three teams Whenever two of those three match up, it's it's going to be a game to watch. It'll be probably on TNT, I'm guessing. And I think it's, unfortunately, for the 76ers, going to be Brooklyn, New York, and Boston. I think I think that might be the gauntlet in, in that conference. Um, I think Boston moving Brad Stevens to a higher position, I think that was the right move. Some, some of my friends that are Celtics fans hated it. Wanted Brad Stevens out. I don't know why. I think I think he's a basketball mind. I really I really look forward to seeing what they're going to do. Um, I think Brooklyn, even without Kyrie, you see someone like Cameron Thomas, who's just been drilling threes ever since he got drafted. I'm really excited to see him. And uh, the Knicks look poised with Kemba. Um, you can't really complain having Derrick Rose as your sixth man or a key player off the bench. Um, but like you guys kind of touched on, you know, with Ben Simmons, um, you know, his jumper doesn't look like what Giannis has done with his jumper where every year he's, he's trying at least, you know what I mean? And with Giannis, you can see the, the marks going up. You can see it heading in the right direction under Budenholzer. Um, I don't think the 76ers as a franchise know what to do with Ben Simmons yet. I don't think he's going to be there long term. I think he'll hopefully find a future somewhere else. Um, but that being said, the Atlantic division is going to be one that's fun to watch this year. And if, you know, Kyrie is still out midway through the season or missing some games, Ben Simmons is missing some games. Um, I think even a team like Toronto isn't necessarily going to, you know, have a terrible season. I think, I think it's going to be a fun division to watch. I think every team has solid point guards. Um, or at least a solid star player that's not a point guard. Like the direction the Knicks have gone in getting Cardiac Kemba, uh, always been one of my favorite players to watch ever since UConn. And it's going to be really exciting to say the least. And also shout out Jason Tatum and Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard being an Oregon boy, 
Very excited to see what he does this year in that backup role. Kind of got forced into some starting roles last year. And uh, I think he's I think he's a little too uh, raw right now to do that, even though he is a more experienced player heading into the NBA with, you know, not being a one and done or anything like that. But uh, I think this is going to be a fun division. And that's not even touching on, you know, the Central and the Southeast for the Eastern Conference. Uh, Tara, if if there's anything you'd like to touch on with those two divisions. I was just looking up. uh, I was going to tell you that people in Oregon are, uh, or especially Portland, are very upset about Ime Udoka going to Boston. He was somebody that we would have loved loved, for a long time and talking about loving to have here. Well, that didn't happen. (laughs) I did um, notice that outrage. It did not go unnoted. I did see that on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> and, yeah. and I can see why, because he's 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 a brilliant guy. And I I think, did he get Stoudemire? Yeah, they got Stoudemire, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everybody important. Yeah, not everybody, but I can't speak for everybody. But, yeah, that hurt. That hurt a lot. Uh, but we were talking about the Eastern, you know, conferences. I, like, totally have no idea what any conference anybody is in unless I'm looking at it on basketball reference like I am right now. <laughs> the only thing that I like about division or not conferences, divisions is what I was talking about. The only thing I like about divisions is that this year Oklahoma City is in our Blood Blazers division and so that means we get to play them four times. Like <laughs> as far as schedule making goes, I agree. I'm, I'm all for it for that. But I just like to like randomly throw out a couple teams in the East that I also have my eyes on. I think the Charlotte Hornets are a really, really great watch. And I really want to see if the Atlanta Hawks can go back to where they were and perhaps even more. I think Nate McMillan did such a nice job the way um, he uh, took over that team. And the, the thing about the East is when you go through the teams, so many of them don't have like a leader like that's where i keep going with the 76ers who's their leader have they ever had a leader who is it doc rivers like there's no leader on that team that i can see so i just don't believe that you could really go without a leader yeah i I get you you're right not having that it's like it's like being like rudderless i guess yeah, your boat, and then all you know the, the instant the tide comes, you we're this way, and now we're that way, and sometimes it works out well, and other times it doesn't, and and that's kind of the problem. Like you said, there's not a consistent leader, and and sadly, love Doc Rivers, but he's known for throwing players on the bus. I mean, this isn't something that's you know a little secret here, and it's unfortunate because he is good in other spots, just not that aspect of leadership. But that's kind of the aspect that's most needed for a team that doesn't have it. So. I just I look at this, their situation and go, would they have, be in the situation if they had somebody who was a leader who could have right. taken control of the situation like two years ago yep. once it started to develop? So I think the the, the the teams in the East that have like a strong leader, obviously, you know, Giannis, the Nets, I think Katie, even though it's a collective, what did they say last week, last year, they were a coaching collective? Coaching, yeah, um, I think it was collective, yeah, collaborative <laughs> and, approach. Collaborative. And they were, yeah, it was a collaborative approach, yeah. and then uh, according to their uh when they were when Kyrie was on Katie's podcast, they were talking about well, some days you're going to coach and some days I'm yeah. going to coach. Oh, that was oh my all gosh. of that aside. I think Katie yes. is a pretty good leader there in in his own sort of learning how to lead way. Um, 
but yeah, I I think the Charlotte Hornets are really fun, and I'm one. I'm very curious to find out if somebody as young and as just like fun and happy go lucky as Lamelo is, could he develop into like a true leader of a team? I got my yeah. eye on that one, yeah. and I I think I think Trey Young has shown that he's on his way. Wow. To that. Wow. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think he has well, um, definitely improved that team. I mean, they went from. You know, a team on the rise. Phoenix has done something similar. You know, a team that was kind of the, in the in the doldrums for a while. A couple of uh, smart moves here and there. Next thing you know, boom. And and just like the Suns, like, they're kind of here. You know, there's no, like, oh, flash in the pan. Even if they don't achieve the love success that they've had, you know, this last season, they're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the conversation. Um, that's a testament, like you said, too. Uh, not only the young talent, Trey Young specifically for Atlanta, but also just the group of players around him that are some still developing, John Collins, uh, um, DeAndre Hunter, um, guys like that, and also guys who are more established. When you look at, you know, your Danilo Gallinari and your Lou Williams and, and guys like that. And hopefully Skylar Mays gets his name in there. I only, I only say that just because uh, I am a sports card collector, mainly NBA. I uh, have just always been in love with it. And uh, I keep getting these Skylar Mays autographs. So I'm just hoping, <laughs> but needless to say, though, the, the Hawks, you know, I think are going to be contenders for years to come. And uh, if Trey Young can kind of emulate what Damian Lillard has done, even in some semblance over the trajectory of his, you know, next five to 10 years, um, which is kind of kind of figuring out who he can rely on, you know, on defense in the guard positions to help him out and stuff, because I get it. You're running an offense. You know what I mean? You can't always play 10 out of 10 defense that's just something in the modern NBA I think point guards have kind of realized and I'm interested to see um with people like DeAndre Hunter um if Cam Reddish you know stays on this roster long term I know there was some buzz around him last year uh there's a lot of guys around him that can help on the defensive end and then of course John Collins being what he is on the defensive end um I don't think they'll have any issues being in the mix like you said and then you know Looking at realistically the rest of Southeast Division, I, I think it's really just going to be essentially them in Miami, uh, jeering for that top spot. I think Charlotte, you know, could make in the play-in again and and really make some noise. And Tara, I do have to say, if if uh, Ball does end up being a leader like you talked about, I would love to see you write a book about that. I just feel like I got to throw that out there that you're one of the people I could see writing writing a book over a hundred pages that actually like keeps attention. <laughs> well, it's book. funny because one of the reasons that I'm so interested in him is because Mirren Fader was on our podcast a couple years ago before she was writing um, the Giannis book. And she had just finished. Uh, she told us about her experience following um, the, the ball family and LaMelo ball in, was it Siberia? Area? It was somewhere really, really cold and super far north and just like, you know, so far away. I wish I could remember what country it was, but it was far away. Um, and it was fascinating. And she, you know, she's such an incredible storyteller. So she is a particular reason that I am so interested in, in LaMelo. I did join a couple. Um, there may have actually just been one. It was a while back uh, of the uh, Twitter live chats. That have been going on. I, I've been loving those. I don't know when they added them. It seems like this year, but um, very great opportunity to network with other NBA analysts and podcasters. And um, I too am very excited to read that book. Um, I've heard nothing but good things. And it's just so great to hear 
kind of like a, you know, a more low key story about Giannis because he is so like humble and, and kind of to himself early on in his career. It's just so cool to see the stories about what he did for his family, what he does for the Milwaukee community. It's so cool to see it on kind of more of a national scale, maybe even a global scale. Who knows? I think, I think that book could, uh, could really make some bestseller lists. It's, it's really should be a good one. That does sound like a lot of fun. I will definitely admit to that. Definitely. As a reader, I would love that. But um, yeah, so what are the next division we're tackling here, Rob? The Central, um, just because uh, I think that's a division that is always low-key. You know what I mean? Like Indiana always always had a great team. I mean, you look at the Reggie Miller years, you look at the Paul George years, and they're always right on the cusp of making it big. And uh, they didn't quite get there. Chicago, we know what they are one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. Um, but Milwaukee seems to be this, this new and exciting team um, that's that a lot of people didn't know of just with the small market publicity and stuff. And, and I think with uh, what they were able to do last year, Giannis, you know, having relatively solid health. And if he doesn't, he, he kind of just pulls a Kobe and plays through it. I think that's going to be, I think this is going to be one of the best years for the Eastern Conference, watchability wise. Um, I, I love Chris Duarte, another Oregon boy. Uh, really just hit a buzzer beater in Summer League. And I'd seen what he did at Oregon. Uh, you got to love what Chicago did getting DeMar DeRozan. Do you get- love that? Do we got to love that? I've been trying to decide <laughs> because it's been like the, the story has been it's terrific, but I'm like not 100% convinced. I know where you. I know where you stand. I and trust me, there's a lot of trepidation around that one. I am a big Demar Derozan fan. I've only become it's funny. I only become a fan of these kind of guys after like they leave their team or something happens. Like I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, but I wasn't Russell Westbrook fan until 2017. Once KD left, I said, you know what? This is not fair. You're my guy. Derozan was like that for me. Once <laughs> I totally once, relate to that. I'm like that too. Like when they're on their like original team where they yes. make their name, I'm like no. I hate. Them. I don't want anything to do with them. Yes, and then suddenly they're on, yeah, like Atlanta, and you're like, oh, I oh, love him. You're, I like you now, exactly. Like everything I hated Russell Westbrook for, I adore him for now. And if people so you didn't like him back, then, nope, I didn't, but like I do now. So, and that's Demar Derozan in Toronto. LeBron was, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, you'll never win, like whatever. And then they, they sent him on, like, oh, well, that sucks. Like it was almost like the fan party. You didn't go to like realization that yeah, like. If you don't win, what happens? You know, someone has to make a move. So then I was a DeRozan fan. I thought that in San Antonio, I think that what doesn't get talked about enough is that his play. I mean, it's talked about enough because it's the only like really good attribute that was brought in is not only his playmaking. His playmaking improved both assist percentage, assist and just numbers. He was able to generate points for others as a playmaker consistently. That was something that improved in a tremendous degree in, in San Antonio. Whereas before, you know, we could get a couple here and there. Kyle Lowry, you get like eight or nine assists. You'd have DeRozan like three to five, you know, but now DeRozan's regularly, he's was basically San Antonio's point guard. And watching a lot of San Antonio's first basketball last year, I saw that there was a marked difference when DeRozan was in the game and making an impact as to what he was at. He missed a couple of games, unfortunately, to death his father, some other personal things. And the San Antonio Spurs team was so reliant to him, they kind of fell apart. Um, so I think just in the locker room, on the floor, being that kind of commanding presence as a floor general, which isn't really what you think of when you think of DeMar DeRozan, uh, I think that was a stabilizing influence on them and, and a big reason for the success early on. I mean, this is a team that was like in the top six um, at the All-Star break. Uh, you know, had a well over a winning record uh, before, you know, injuries and stuff kind of really took their toll. And I think that there's something that's not talked about enough for him where, of course, he still didn't shoot three ball. In fact, he completely just said, you know what? 
he started like giving you a taste. Oh, I might do it. I might do it. Um, last year he's like, let's just I'm not taking this. So he didn't. Um, that was one thing. Also, defensively, the issues are there for sure. Um, part of it I think is physical. Like he's bad at like going through screens. Um, so he's always behind on the play. Some of it's attentiveness, you know, just not being aware of what's going on. So both of those combined to not being a good defender. That hasn't improved. I doubt it will in year 14. It's unfortunate, but it is there. But I think in Chicago, you bring in two just great perimeter defenders in Alex Caruso and Alonzo Ball. You know, I think that they kind of help to cover up the weaknesses of a Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, especially since DeMar DeRozan did play a lot of four um, in San Antonio. It's like a playmaking kind of four kind of guy. Mind you, you have a Patrick Williams, you have other guys in Chicago. He doesn't always have to do that. But I think you can kind of hide him on weaker matchups. So all that, that three-minute uh, ramble, was just to say that I love DeMar DeRozan in Chicago. Maybe the contract wasn't the best, you know, especially at 32, locked in with that much money to be 35. Not sure how his game's going to age. So it's con- concerned there long-term. But I think for this season, you're going to have explosive offense between DeRozan, um, Zach Levine, and, of course, Nikola Vucevic. Shout out Corbin, who also has round ball ramble going on his traditional ramble. I love the one about <laughs> – uh, summer league and preseason you did last episode. I hope it, I think it might become a staple on blazing the path. Uh, <laughs> oh that being said, uh, aside from uh, the Twitter, kind of, kind of like you know, some of us with our NBA fandom, a little bit of, little bit of OCD comes out on Twitter. Uh, people were just mad at Demar Derozan for choosing the number eleven. I don't, I don't really know what that was about. Um, but I, I don't know if there's like a problem or if. I really cannot think of a number 11 in history, so I don't know if... I'm not aware of really Robinson, that's a guess. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, like, I, nothing came to mind. I guess it's just a weird number. I don't know. But uh, I all I know is Damian Lillard uh, did say on uh, different on levels, the Lord allowed. Uh, shout out to him. And uh, it took me a while to find, actually, because I, I didn't even know what song I heard it on. Um, but it was Overnight and... Um, he did use an expletive in talking about it, so I'll skip that part. But uh, he said, wait, hold it. I only know one. That's DeMar DeRozan. And uh, he's basically talking about who hoops on that level with the same, like, ties, you know, globally and stuff that's, like, making moves with business as well. And uh, so once I heard that, I kind of jumped on the DeMar DeRozan Bulls bandwagon for a little bit <laughs> just because he got a shout-out from Dame. But, it, but in all seriousness um, – I don't know how I feel about the fit yet, just like Tara said. Um, but I think it's exciting for Chicago to have several healthy all-star caliber, caliber players on one team. Um, I, I'm more of a Zach Levine guy. Uh, it was unfortunate to see DeMar DeRozan kind of get phased out a little bit uh, with the coming of DeJounte Murray. I think DeJounte Murray is one of the you know future defensive faces of uh, the Western Conference. But uh, nonetheless, still unfortunate to see just for what he did for the Toronto organization and, and the NBA as a whole on the uh, mental health awareness front. Um, but basketball is a business uh, like CJ McCollum says, and um, you know, it's just, you, you roll with the punches and it's, it's no, I'm sure Greg Popovich absolutely respects and adores his game. It's just younger guy trying to develop something quickly before, you know, that uh, dreaded Popovich retirement comes. And um, nonetheless, I think uh, the Chicago bulls, you know, as far as uh, marketing and watchability, I think a lot of people are going to be tuned in that last year were not. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if it's Demar. I don't know if it's Lonzo Ball. It's probably a mix of the two. Um, but needless to say, I think I think they um, 
stacked up to, uh, you know, move from that bottom tier of the Eastern Conference and into something uh, where they can develop it. And I, I think Patrick Williams is a great asset. I think they, I think they got a rim protector in, in Williams, and they'll be exciting to watch. But my team out of that division, obviously Milwaukee will probably be on top. But I think Indiana is going to be the next best team in that division. Um, I just – I've always – been a fan of Karis LeVert's game, how hard of a worker he is on both ends of the floor. Uh, the leadership role he took at such a young age, prior to even knowing, you know, that he had assists on his kidney and everything. Um, he really stepped up. He was getting triple doubles. And even when he didn't, his assists were just skyrocketed in numbers with the Nets. Uh, very exciting to watch. Chris Duarte, like I said, um, one of my standouts for summer league in preseason. And I'm, I'm excited to see uh, – what Cleveland and Detroit do uh, in the rebuilding process, no doubt. Cade Cunningham looks like the leader everyone expected him to be on the offensive end at the very least. And uh, Cleveland, um, now that they've kind of moved on from a little bit of drama with their previous coach, um, with you know guys like Sexton not really being a fan and everything, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what these what all these teams do in that division. Um, Maybe, maybe not the most watchable games at the bottom of the division, but at the top of that division, uh, you know, Indiana might surprise some people this year with some of these games they might win if healthy. I agree. I think that was a good thorough breakdown of it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So are we all still on the East here? Or are we on the West now? Pacific, Truth be told, I think going? we covered, I think we covered the Southeast division a little bit and that's probably all there is to say as of right now, just because there's so many unknowns with how these teams are going to look with injuries and everything. Um, yep, yep. Atlanta and Miami, no doubt, heavy contenders, um, especially if Miami can put together some semblance of the bubble season with Jimmy just just running an offense well. And, and Tyler Hero, another, uh, another preseason standout for me. was very impressed with him getting his shot back to where he likes it and everything. Um, still, you know, him and Duncan are – probably going to be a little bit of defensive liabilities, you know, for a long time, but they've got enough guys on that team that can defend and uh, should be interesting to see some of the young guys as well. I'm very excited for Hachimura. Uh, any other thoughts you guys might have on the Southeast? I think we're set. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, I think we on to the main attraction, the Western conference. Let's get to it. All right. Which are we, are we starting with the, uh... The division of the, of the Blazers here. We're going to go with the Pacific. Uh, you know what, Tara? How, what, what, which one do you want to kind of go on first? I think let's build up the build the excitement. To I like the that. Northwest. Division. I like that because we got the we have a take playlist and and uh, <laughs> talk about as well. All right, so and let's kind of get through it then. Yeah. All right then. Well, I guess we can start with Pacific. Yeah. As as the okay. Uh huh. Is the Lakers experiment going to work? Thank you. I'm glad you asked. I was going <laughs> to. That was the question I was waiting on. I am- I'm asking everybody that. I'm like asking the mailman and the grocery clerk and everybody. I'm like, <laughs> are the Lakers going to work? It's so. I think it's going to be so unique. I think if preseason, um, I watched a little bit of the Lakers preseason. Again, I didn't look too deeply, and especially since I knew they were wrestling so many guys. But Russell got some decent. And run in the latter stages of the season of the preseason. Uh, LeBron as well and AD, I think they had them all play the last two games for significant portions of it. And you do see some spacing concerns. You know, there are issues as far as like, okay, they are, you know, 
totally inviting Russell to shoot the ball. And although his jump shot does look better, the results have been mostly the same um, in terms of his not being totally accurate. Uh, LeBron's looked good. AD's had his moments as well. But you do have to wonder, um, okay, are the, is the defense going to be built to last? Because you're not going to get an engaged LeBron from day one. I mean, there's levels to his engagement, but you know how he's going to be flying around like he usually does in April, you know, uh, on the first, on October 19th. That's not going to happen. Um, and Russell, unfortunately, doesn't have that gear that we've seen yet that LeBron has in April, but we don't see it in October or December or whatever. So the concern for me is more on the defense side of the ball. I think offensively they'll figure it out, whether that is. I mean, Russell Westbrook coexisted with Kevin Durant for, you know, many years, you know, in terms of working together. And Kevin Durant led the league in scoring like three straight times. I doubt it's going to be a problem in terms of them getting the ball and putting the ball in the basket. But defensively, especially when you go and lose a lot of your perimeter defenders, you lose Alex Caruso, you lose a guy like Kyle Kuzma, really just for salary. But the point is they're gone. And you bring out like Russell Westbrook and you have him surrounded by guys who are not known as defenders like a Wayne Ellington or a Malik Bunk and really only Kent Bazemore. He's going to have to take more of a share there. And we haven't seen a lot of that in the preseason. Now, mind you, as Russ said, it's preseason. Who cares? And, yeah, the Lakers are kind of putting that whole kind of standard message across. But, like, you care when the games start happening and you don't change. And that's where I'm concerned about it. But I think here's the thing. You know, this all due respect to Russell Westbrook's previous teammates, this isn't Paul George. This isn't James Harden. This is LeBron James. And I think he's going to figure it out alongside Russell Westbrook or, you know, they will find a way to reassess on the fly. Um, but I don't think they're going to go through all season with this oddball fit. I think one way or another, something's going to work together. They're like this concoction, like this concoction of like some kind of sweet dessert where you just like keep putting in all these different, like we're going to put in chocolate chips and we're going to add butterscotch chips. And then we're going to like put frosting on the top. And you're like, oh. this could be absolutely terrible or it could be delicious. And you're yeah. just not sure until you take a bite. Exactly. You you know what? You just totally came for me there, Tara, because that's me. You Are you familiar with both of you? Um, five guys? Yes. It's okay. a staple of my diet. Of yes. course. <laughs> okay, good. So five guys has the shake, right? And I am that person. I am a sugar head. So I will take the shake and I'll go, okay, let's get chocolate. Let's get strawberry. We could do some peanut butter, Oreo pieces, Oreo cream, um, uh, malted milk. Why not? Let's go crazy. Only thing I won't do is bananas. And at that point, the person making it is like, you'll take everything else and just straw the line. But I'm like, yeah. And I'll drink. I'm like, mm, this is kind of good. And my friends are like, do you even know what you're drinking? Like, what is that? What are you tasting? And I think that the way you describe that is exactly what the Lakers are. Like you said, they took that bully, threw everything in. And I mean, if it's, if it's anything, my shake sometimes tastes okay. So hopefully the Lakers do as well. Um, but that's the question of the day. Tara. I think that really defines the whole Pacific division, because when you look at elsewhere, you look at the Phoenix Suns, can they replicate the success of last season? Uh, it's hard to see why not. Although there is a little bit now of possible dissension in terms of DeAndre and not being extended. Meanwhile, you know, the Suns took care of business everywhere else. Mikel Bridges got an extension up. Uh, Somehow Landry Shaman got an extension, hasn't even played a game for the Sons of Matters, but he got one, but Aiden did not. So I have yeah. to figure out they know what they're doing there on that one, though. Like, I, they, I don't, I just I have a hard time thinking they just like completely dropped the ball. I, I would agree with you, except that I, I, they've done this before. Joe Johnson, like years ago, yes, but the same man. But the same- last couple of years have been built on doing things right, and for as far as they've progressed over the last couple of years, to go back to making that type of a mistake, just yes. it would just surprise me. I'm not going to lie. I mean, as someone who I'm not a Suns fan, but just being around the culture of the Suns and and being around the fan base, 
the 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 feeling around them now is very much like, well, it had to happen at some point. Like the entire time the last year was going so good, it was is Robert Sarver gonna mess this up? Is gonna mess this up. Then it was like, oh my God, Robert Sarver's not gonna pay Chris Paul. That's what it's gonna be. And it turns out, no, he is. He's not gonna pay down Drayton. And like that's the issue, I think. Because you're right, like you would think, surely this can't be that bad. But it is. Um, in terms of at least the immediate feel. Like DeAndre Aiden didn't want to talk to the press today, understandably so. Um, word from Woj is that he's not happy, of course. Um, and, and now you have that hanging over your head all year. After Chris Paul basically guaranteed the Suns to take care of him, which Chris Paul did the best of his ability, but obviously was overruled by ownership, and that's the issue again. So I mean, I think that, you know, at this point, Aiden is the second number one overall pick not to have been extended, uh, aside from Anthony Bennett. And I mean, if you're, I mean, I'd rather lump myself in with Michael Porter Jr. and all those other guys getting extensions than lump myself in with Anthony Bennett. So I don't know what that does to DeAndre Ayton, but like, I don't think it's super great. <laughs> That's good insight from you, like being there and being around fans who've been through it before. Because from outside, I'm just looking at it going, oh, they must know what they're doing. But yeah, that's all that stuff that you've just talked about is pretty concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, you have any thoughts on the Pacific Division so far? I'm sorry, Corbin. But, like, in your eyes, the banana shake of the Pacific Division is probably going to be the Lakers. I think there's going to be some times where they're a little tough to watch um, just because having two ball-dominant players on one offense um, and, and that you know, the injury risks that LeBron has every year, I think there's going to be some low points in the season, but I don't think it's going to end badly or anything like that. Uh, I do think, though, that – um, they're going to figure it out like they have the last few years um, and put together a solid team. But it can't be the team of last year that's 12th in defense and 22nd on offense. It just can't. I, I have to agree with you on that for sure. I was talking to a friend about that 100%. Had to push back. I was trying not to, but like, okay, he had a freak ankle injury. Like, I get it. He's 36 going 37. We've been trying to say he's 34, he's 35, he's 36. Like, I get the narrative there, right? But like the last two years, he had an ankle injury in the 2021 season, right? He had the groin injury in 2019. Both of those aren't wear and tear injuries. Both of those aren't, oh, I'm just grinding down. One, Solomon Hill dove for the ball, sort of, and totally went for LeBron's ankle. And the other one was just a, a groin strain against, a, can't even speak now, a groin strain against the Warriors, if I remember correctly. That was two years ago. Like, I don't want to say just yet that LeBron is injury prone or anything when it's been like two injuries in three years and both of them while substantial, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred times, LeBron has walked off how many ankle injuries over the years. You're like, wow, how did he do that? And this one is like, Oh, nope, it happened. So I get you. If, and, and mind you, I might have to eat my words this year. You know, if he does like, you know, knee soreness, whatever the case may be, but I think that he'll be fine. I do agree with you, though. There is going to be issues, and you said it already. The numbers don't lie. Where they were offensively, where they were defensively, you would expect offensively maybe it to rise, but it's still not going to be a perfect match. And defensively, it's going to slip. And it was one of the top defenses last year. Um, and how far is it going to slip? That's a big question. But I had to push back a little bit. I agree with you and everything else, Rob. I keep going, man. You're right. No, no. And and I hope I didn't um, come off a little bit differently than I not intended at all. as far as not at all. with the Lakers. Um, LeBron, <laughs> you know, just – he is known every year in the last three years to kind of take it a little slower as this regular season's going on. Yeah, uh, like they never said. like he doesn't aim to like, you know, get the number one seat at all. No, like that no. is not his. <laughs> he doesn't care about that. It's just that when when it comes to the playoffs, he puts on that button. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, you. <laughs> 
no, no I agree. I, though, huh? I think I think definitely this division is um, going to be one of the most fun to watch. I think I think this is when you see teams like the Suns and the Kings kind of making that push uh, to be to have their name up there more. Um, Suns obviously last year speaks for itself, and um, with the Suns organization, just the way they're heading with Monty Williams and everything like that, I'm just I'm just so enthused for them with just the bad luck they had with the five second or less offense late in you know the playoffs and stuff like that. Kind of kind of like a comp for me in the East is the Paul George years just really just wanted to see, you know, a, a more low key team make, make it far. And they just didn't have the luck in the late rounds. Cause well, they're facing some of the greatest teams in history, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, um, and then you can never discount the Clippers uh, with what they have as an organization. I, I got to give a shout out to Terrence Mann for what he did last year in the playoffs. Just, just really blew me away. Wasn't even on my radar as far as like, you know, young guys that are going to make that push. Like we saw, you know, Donovan Mitchell make as, as a young guy, saw Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum make as young guys, some of their first years just really blew me away with that, that 40 plus piece. Um, and of course, Golden State, um, a lot of the buzz in my area um, is for Golden State, just because uh, with not having an NBA team here, it's really just who the best team is. And for about five, six years there, everyone had a Golden State jersey on where I live. It was very interesting to see <laughs> being in Buffalo, almost as geographically far away from Golden State as you can be. But yeah, I think uh, with Clay Thompson, all the buzz around him and everything, I think I think Golden State might have another one of their years. It, it's really something crazy that we're going to see the Lakers and Warriors being what they are in the same division this year. It's, it's just kind of going to be exciting to see. Honestly, I'm down to see whoever wins. I'm not rooting for one or the other, but um, it's just going to be exciting to see some of these matchups in this division. I hope they eat each other up. <laughs> I hope the Lakers and the Warriors just like chew on each other and eat each other. War of That's, attrition. There that, it is. That is that is the longtime Blazer fan talking right now. Um, I I find Golden State Warriors totally insufferable, and I am not looking forward to them being good again this year. But they're going to be good again this year, and all their fans are going to come out, and they're just going to. We're going to have to watch Steph like a hundred times a year. Eighty-two times a year, and I just, yeah, I just hope that they play each other, and they just—it was so sweet to have them play each other in that in that um, play-in tournament, and then know that one of them was going to lose. Oh that my was goodness! So great. The stress of that was so real. <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm glad one of us so enjoyed great. it, Tara. <laughs> For sure. It's like yes, one of them is gonna. Why? Why can't they both lose? And they did. well, they didn't. Yeah, in a way, they did. Yeah, like my only regret is they both can't walk away losers. So I get that. I get that. Oh, I also just wanted to say, as a longtime Blazer fan, how great it was to see Nicholas Batum come back and to find a place last season was really, really. Th- I loved watching that. And Sacramento old friend Mo Harkless. Playing on Sacramento now. I'm just going to keep going back. So, like, the Blazers obviously are my first team. But after that, like, is our uh, Memphis and Sacramento close behind them. And, man, those Sacramento Kings fans have been through so much. And they just are so reasonable. They're not freaking out right now. You know, they haven't lost. The joke is they haven't lost a game since, like, Shaq. (laughs) 
purchased a part of them he sold it back yeah yeah he left so yeah he sold it back but so that's all all their summer league games and all their preseason games they have a lot since then but they're they're also like extremely reasonable and i think that they're just pleased to see that their team is is starting to gel and they're not like insufferable about like we're gonna win it all but then we have the golden state warriors with clay just about ready to come back and i'm just like oh it's gonna be a long season I, I feel bad. Yeah, it's about to be another year of shimmies and, you know, Golden State Warrior, Le- Legacy Dining, all that stuff that, I mean, as a Laker fan, like, we're better equipped to deal with it, I guess, but, like, still, it's frustrating to hear. So, I'm with you there. Good luck. Um, but, um, yeah, that, like you said, I think we kind of covered the Pacific Division there. Um, it's going to be definitely one of the more intriguing ones. I think oh, every team but Sacramento has a, has, a, has a real case. Sacramento and, to a lesser extent, the Clippers have a real case to battle for supremacy at the top of the conference. Um, the Clippers are going to be interesting because they didn't bow out, and it's probably for good reason with, you know, Kawhi still technically able to kind of return. So definitely a lot of storylines to look forward to there. But I think ultimately, as much as I'd like to say the Lakers are have an edge there, I feel like Phoenix is going to be at the top only because of the Pacific, I mean, because they do have the continuity. You know, if anything, they added a guy like Alandji Shaman. They added a guy like Isabel McGee. Um, now, is that enough to offset the potential friction that might occur between DeAndre Aiden and the franchise? We don't know because this is something that kind of is an extenuating circumstance. However, you are coming back, unlike the Lakers who are putting together this uh, this amazing banana chocolate flavored Rob milkshake of five guys. Uh, uh, this is something the Lakers are still working through where Phoenix is already kind of ready to, to get their foot back in the door. So I definitely do think they're going to be one to watch. I will certainly be keeping my eyes on there. But um, yeah, let's go to the next division. Just before we do, I do have to say, uh, banana that that's the only shake I ever get. And I live right down the road from a Dairy Queen now. And at some points, you know, on the weekend when I'm bored, I've gone like three days in a row and gotten a banana shake. So it's just so wild to me. <laughs> you guys are the wow. perfect complement to each other. Oh my gosh. Wow. I actually wrote down about Corbin will take everything but draws the line at bananas. Mm. And then to find out that Rob will, oh, that is just, oh my gosh, you guys were meant to be. I love oh. it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is kind of funny. I had no clue. Well, look at that. How about that? Shout out to Milkshakes. And you guys were made to host flavors. a podcast together. <laughs> Thank you, Tara. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Look at that. Okay. <laughs> well, listen, I am pumped. Let, let's keep, let's keep these good energy going. Cause I'm, I am now, I'm, I'm, I'm craving a milkshake. Anyways, let's go. <laughs> I know. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we got to finish this up. Go we do. Milkshake. We do. Yes, we have a chance. For sure. Mm. And uh, so I feel like we can touch on the Southwest Division probably a little more briefly than the other divisions just because we, I think we know what Luka Doncic is poised to do this year. I'm very scared to see the All-NBA teams at the end of the year and see Dame just miss first team again just because of Luka. And I I get it. I really do. I have the utmost respect for Luka's game. Um, but I think I think Dallas might have some of their chemistry issues figured out. Um, and, you know, having a new coach, what are your guys' thoughts on Dallas kind of being at the top of that division last year? Uh, just, just about four games over, so pretty – pretty easily won that division. Uh, what do you guys think about them compared to the rest of the division? I and your Memphis Grizzlies, Tara. <laughs> I think they're more volatile. I think there's a lot of volatility with Dallas. There's a lot of things that could go sideways. Um, you know, with Porzingis has never been, you know, 
he's he hasn't yet blossomed into who they thought that he was going to be both health wise and just like dominating wise um luca you know obviously he's you know an incredible talent uh but is he going to take that leadership role on and lead for lead in the way that leaders make other people better, not lead in the way that he's just better than everybody. So let's see what let's see what Luca can do with that. And I just think the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies, I don't think are going to be in like we have to win now mode. I think they still have a little time to build, but I think they're going to catch a lot of people off guard. And I don't really have faith in the Pelicans. I, I'm often wrong about stuff, but I just like I don't. I don't know what they're doing down there. I think that's a fair assessment, to be honest with you. Um, with New Orleans, just starting with, because they just look a mess right now. I think there's no other way to say it other than just that. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, Zion Williamson, I'm a big fan of Brandon Ingram. In fact, I foolishly, um, five games into last season, and I don't know how to find and delete tweets, so I haven't found it yet. But I know I tweeted that Brandon Ingram could be an MVP candidate five games into the season. That was a cold take by like game 10. And I remember trying to scroll back, but I liked so much and retweet so much I couldn't find it. And so I feel comfortable sharing it now because if you can find a good luck, like I don't care anymore. But at the time that I did care, I'm like, oh my God, like my validity is going to go down the drain. Whoever puts up hot takes like that. <laughs> so you, I heard you best. mention that on Round Ball Ramble and, and oh, I couldn't help man. but chuckle. But in your defense, Corbin, uh, with Zion coming into the league, they put the Pelicans on TNT, I feel like vastly more than like many years prior. And it looked like Brandon Ingram was the next face of the NBA for a few games there. I'm not going to lie to you. That beginning of that season, I was like, holy smoke. I don't know what the Lakers were on getting rid of all these great players, but that was probably the best player they had. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. I'm glad, I'm glad you saw that. I'm glad you see that. It just wasn't, I don't know. Again, the, the Pelicans have just been misman mismanaged, I think. Um, I was really high on David Griffin before he took over with the New Orleans, and now I've just been concerned because, of course, you know, looking at myself, everyone thinks they could be, you know, at least an armchair analyst. I definitely think I play enough basketball GM games to sit in and, and, and hold a meeting. But joking aside, I just feel like, you know, you have a guy like Brandon Ingram who can shoot, you know, score at all three levels. You have a guy like Zion Williams, William, William, can't even speak now. Zion Williamson, who's your best inside scorer, bring outside shooting and defense. Like, I think we all would agree, like, you know, spacing the floor and being able to defend would be what you do. And so for last year to bring in a guy, and I love this guy, but to bring in Steven Adams and then to bring in um, Eric Bledsoe, it's like, ugh. Eric Bledsoe's not a good shooter. You would see from the jump he checked out mentally. Steven Adams is, is fine, but just fine. Then you stop an extension on with him. And then he is also just straight up, you know, in the paint. That's all he is interested in being. So you can't play him out in space to, to pair alongside Zion. He's not helping Zion in that way. Offensive, he's not opening up space. So you don't have that. Um, and it just didn't work. And then they go and rectify that with the Jonas Valanciunas trade. And you know, bringing in some guys like a Devontae Graham, which is good. Maybe a guy like a um, Gary Temple and Tomas Stanaransky, who are fine. But it's like, you're trying to say that Jonas Valanciunas is going to be a floor spacer. If you look at his threes, it was very low volume, and it's clearly not his game. It's something that he can do. But where does he like to play? Inside the paint, right next to Zion. You know what I mean? Then you look at the outside shooting. Devontae Graham, offensively great. Defensively, is kind of an issue. You bring in guys like Tomas Stanaransky and, and, and Gary Temple, good defenders, but offensively, their game is not very... Um, 
that's not their strength. Let's just say that. And then you're in a situation now where you've been really weird about the whole Zion injured, not injured. We're not really talking about it. He'll be reevaluated a week before the season starts. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks now. It's like the same old New Orleans blueprint over and over, you know? I mean, even Stan Van Gundy has been funny because he'll be, you know, announcing games on TNT. And he made a joke, I think, just uh, yesterday about why is he back announcing games on TNT. And he was like, oh, you know, well, uh, David Griffin fired me, so I had to revive my options. You know, he said it in a joking way, but the way David Griffin said it, they mutually agreed to part ways. So if you can't even get the basic stuff down, like, you can't even get the basic PR down. And all, no disrespect to, I mean, you know, Portland has PR things as well. I'm sure, you know, gloss past that. This We've already talked about that enough within Portland circles. But, like, PR-wise, you can't even dictate the whole story of what happened and knowing that it can be easily refuted and the truth is going to come out i just yeah I'm not fond. i mean i think david griffin looks looked better in cleveland because of who ownership was i guess comparatively maybe and then he you know was on nba tv for a year so he was able to go out there and we could be like oh well just he seems like he knows what he's talking about so like i think he he got more of a pass at the at the beginning um, oh gosh, there was gonna I was going to ask a question and I can't remember what it is. Oh, I know. I was just going to comment that I agree with you on Brandon Ingram. Like I've always really liked him. And I just think that he, I feel like he's, his, this whole thing is being lost on him. Like I, I wish that he was somewhere where he could thrive. I'm really sad for him that he's somewhere where instead of, you know, being maybe not the like maybe doesn't need to be the center of attention but Mm -hmm. he should be like a major focus but like zion is such a huge focus that it's just like how can everybody support him not like how can he be like a team how can he team up with somebody and really do something big because i really like brandon ingram as well definitely definitely such a mellow guy i mean ever since been in la he's kind of made his own identity He's followed that, but you said it. it's it's just unfortunate. So I'm just agreeing with you. Not really how New Orleans. Don't see how they kind of come back in this in this year. I just don't see this possibility. Um, and yeah, the Zion questions will continue. Robbie, anything to point out? Uh, what you just said is spot on. We'll oh. see what happens with Zion. And uh, like like you guys were saying, you know, it'd be awesome to see Brandon Ingram. It was it was kind of like uh, with Clay Thompson uh, when, when the Warriors had like, you know, some rumor, weird rumors about him in the off season, a couple of years ago, I don't know how you have rumors about a multiple time champ like that being traded, but nonetheless, um, Brandon Ingram, I don't know. I just, I love those, um, NBA GM websites where you can just do mock trades. And I don't know, I'd love to see Brandon Ingram, just get a team like the Wizards and just go off for like 40 some nights. <laughs> He's just so fun to watch on the offensive end and what he provides, you know, for leadership and everything, like you were saying, Tara, um, it, it'd just be really cool. But nonetheless, um, it's kind of going to be a struggle for power uh, with this team. Did we all just simultaneously Google how much money does Brandon Ingram make? I was just looking. <laughs> I was, how'd you know? I'm like, I think it's like 24, 25 odd. Well, yeah. guess how much he's making? 29467 Oh. Guess what, what New Orleans could use? Some, uh, a, a Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're cooking up some trades over here, man. <laughs> no, I never do that. I never no, do that. I, I never know. do that. I was just, like, thinking, where could poor where Brandon Where would he fit? fit? Yeah. Culture. That would yeah. have a need. I mean, listen, if... I, I, 
He's not a six three guard though, so that unfortunately <laughs> no. <laughs> there you go. But that's interesting. <laughs> oh man, Rob, I think we're ready for the next division here. We're we're going through it. <laughs> I think we are, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the main event. Oh, what? <laughs> the Northwest <laughs> Division. <laughs> Just for Blazers fan, I I feel like they've been anticipating it. And uh, Tariff's recommendation to lead up to it, I think I think there's a lot of angst, and I think there's a lot of people who are just like, all right, we need to hear about the Blazers. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's it's going to be, at the very least, for that division, um, one to watch. And I think without – I hope maybe, and it's cool if we don't, I think a lot of us can agree that uh, – out of that division, one of these teams is poised to make a finals run. And I, I couldn't tell you which one it is. Um, unfortunately, it's probably Denver in my eyes. But um, I, I like this lineup Portland has. I like some of the low-key moves they made. Um, no high-key moves whatsoever. But it's going to be a fun division to watch. I don't know how long Utah is going to be sustainable. Um be, just because, you know, they just keep kind of running it back with the same pieces, um, albeit young pieces. Um, Minnesota, you know, I, I think it's kind of been the same song and dance for a few years. I think Anthony Edwards has kind of changed the culture just ever so slightly. Um, I think his comments on Kevin Durant scoring ability being at the top of the league, um, I think we might see him as more of a personality as a young guy who's, you know, interviewed a lot more uh, just because he has a lot of insightful and introspective thoughts. I'm excited to see the young guys kind of step up and, and get those, you know, you know, be it a NBA players association role or something like that. Like CJ just got the big role in Um, excited to see some of these young guys kind of getting more media attention than really ever before, in, in my opinion. But other than that, what are your guys' thoughts on the Northwest Division? I think I should kind of see the floor tire to tire to start. I mean, if we got time with the Blazers, I know. Listen, I, I, I will, I will let that go first. Um, I, I definitely um will say that between the Nuggets and and where they are, how they kind of managed without Jamal Murray, it, it was so soon, so fresh when he got injured just before the postseason that they were able to make it work. You know, with uh. Um, with not only uh, for Drew Compazzo, but also with um, forgetting his name, Austin Rivers. Don't know why I wanted to say Alex Ross, comic book nerd in me. That was auto, just auto subbed. Anyways, you like comics, check out Alex Ross's art. It's amazing. Okay, but going back, like um, I think the Nuggets now are better equipped to handle it. I love the front court of Green and Green, um, Jeff Green and Jermichael Green and where they are. And of course, Nicole Jokic is building on what he did last year in an amazing MVP season. Uh, but I think it really does start with Portland just because of all the talk that was circling around them. And it's going to be around them this year as well. You hope that is not as big of a deal, but whether or not, you know, Portland fans liked it, like there were a lot, there were big reasons, part of NBA media last season. So I think in terms of what they look forward to this year, again, I'm, I'm seeing the floor. <laughs> well, I really appreciate hearing from you you guys on what you think about Portland because I'm in the thick of it here so I don't know like what's truth and what's fiction you know like I'm living in like the boiling cauldron of like blazer uh, summer which was a hot and boiling cauldron this summer Um, so it's I appreciate you guys's outside perspective and this kind of goes back to like 
what I was saying. I'm not sure if I said it before we logged on and started recording, but like there's some things you can tell from the preseason and some things you can't. You can't tell anything from the wins and losses, but you, I think you can tell a little bit from what you see on the court. And you guys, I have no idea what the Blazers are doing. None. I have, I have no idea what they're doing. Like I watched their games and I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it's completely foreign to what, like, I haven't known what the Blazers have been doing for months. Like, like what were they, why did they send a team down to win summer league and then spectacularly lose it? Why did they invite all these like seasoned, I mean, not, you know, not the best, but like yeah. real vets. I love them. Michael can, Beasley, Emmanuel like, Moutier. Why? What are they doing? And and then and they did the same thing in the, uh, with the practice score, with the summer training camp. Like you're making Patrick Patterson come and play for a spot. Like, what are you doing? And it just looks to me like just like a series of favors that Neil Olshay is doing for like agents or something, because it makes no sense to me. And then when you look at it on the court, I know that it's new. Um, and they're like, like, these guys have played together for a long time. And suddenly, they're going to go out there and do everything completely different. Like, that just and like we watched so much CJ Ellaby and I get it that like this is his chance to shine this is where he gets to play and we want to yes. see like can time. they can they count on him if they need to or whatever but I just was like I have no idea what I watched I have like when I I know that we we got a lot of talk about we heard all about everything was about accountability 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 so I wonder how many times they were calling each other out in those film sessions. Those film sessions must have been 12 hours long because there were so many things. If they're going to put an address on it, like they have more addresses than the phone book on some of these games. Like yeah. this whole thing, they're coming up to the, they're, this whole thing about they're coming up to the level of the screen. So what that looks like right now is like, they're all just camped along the three-point line and one person leaks out and they have the whole universe just wide open in front of them to go and like make it to the basket with everybody as far away as they could possibly be because they're all like out on the three-point line and one person bits through and it's like just waltz right up just like head on wow. right up there so i just i don't understand and i know that it like i know seasoned blazer fan that i am i know that it's not nearly as bad as it looks and feels <laughs> right now but yeah. i it's been a while since i've seen such little like plan of like what are they supposed to do and like you know dame and cj barely played together but we've heard so much about this incredible starting five you know what our incredible starting five scored 11 points in a quarter Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> you know, yeah. sure. It's preseason. I get it. But, but still. You could rally to score a few more than 11. They're amazing. If, if you were, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. And like I said, like, I have all kinds of, like, the idea of Yusuf Nurkic in a bigger role is very intriguing. But what is that? What is it? What does it mean? Yeah. Like, because he was like, facilitating the offense like we got a guy named Damian Lillard to do that 
And so I don't know. I I just think I think summer league was everybody trying to come out and do everything all at once, and that didn't work. And then they got grumpy, and then people just were sat for rest. It was weird to me too. There's another thing where I was talking about. I have no idea what they're doing. They had an entire week off in between their first and their second game, and then Dame didn't play in the second game for rest. Like wow, what do you? I don't understand. Wow, like the like, logic there. The Damian Lord that I play has that Russell Westbrook, like, unless my leg is actually falling off, I'm going to play out there. And you know what? Maybe he's just like, you know, he's trying to be more relaxed and like have a work-life balance. And like, this is preseason. I'm going to just like take it easy or whatever. It's just different. And I just, I don't see what the vision is. And I'm very excited for the day where it all clicks. And I go, oh, that's what they're doing. This makes sense. I agree. I agree. Rob? Tara, I got I got that. Oh, that's what they were doing feeling the year that they had um, Plumlee at center and no one thought they were going to like, you know, gel as a team or do anything. And they came out and they made the playoffs. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys I heard a comic reference if you guys are into Harry Potter at all. But when Hermione says to Harry in one of them, I'm scared for you. That is how I felt going into summer league and then exiting preseason for this team. I am very scared, but at the same time, I don't know. There's just something about <laughs> this team deciding that, you know, they're not going to worry about the future um, nearly as much as they have in the past as a small market, you know, getting rid of a guy like Collins kind of just calling it quits. I, I get that. He's, he's had some injury troubles and he hasn't really panned out. Um, you know, even, Two years ago with Wenyan Gabriel showing what he had on defensive upside, they kind of got rid of him too. And um, right now it seems to be Little and Anthony, and um, that's what they're going to run it with uh, for a young, you know, bench core. But um, I I do always prescribe to the – sorry, I'll have to cut that out. I do always subscribe to the Blazers as an optimist, as crazy as it is to do for all these years. And I would like to say that – you know, the fact that they're picking up a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. and they're trying things they haven't really tried before with getting older guys as opposed to younger guys. Maybe this is this is the secret sauce. I don't I don't really know for sure um, to go off of, you know, what Corbin said on the last episode. Um, Blazers in the preseason, um, you know, Steph Curry kind of had his run on them both games. And I think that's to be expected in the preseason. But one thing I will say with Chauncey Billups at the helm, I'm hoping and praying that this is the team we see this year where someone like Jokic, someone like Michael Porter Jr., when they're playing a team that they play, you know, more than four times, more than three times a season, um, those guys won't get any and every look that they want anymore. That's that's my hope is that that is the thing that changes this season. I think that's one of the things they put the most emphasis on. It was the most blatantly obvious in the playoffs last year. So hopefully that improves. I don't think anyone really tries on defense in the preseason. Um, I wish they did. I wish it was more like other sports preseason where you see some extended runs of what a team's going to look like on defense. Um, but we shall see. I, I guess one thing for me is, you know, as you pro pro both have probably heard, there's been a lot of talk from, you know, the front office about how great the starting lineup was. And I agree. And I just don't understand why they want to change all of that. And I was super excited because last season 
when Ennis Cantor played center, Robert Covington was playing defense for two people. He was covering up for Ennis Cantor and he was playing his own defense. And they they stayed afloat. And like, you know, credit to Cantor for like doing like absolutely maximizing himself <laughs> and playing at the best that he absolutely could and having it be like not bad right but part of it was because robert covington was also covering for him so like i thought logic in logic would say that well now that nurkic is back robert covington can go back to being you know playing defense for robert covington and things will look better and they did and that's why i'm confused about why they're changing everything like i get that like fundamentally they have some flaws but i'm i'm waiting to see how this new instituting this new nurkic coming up higher how that is going to make things better because my god robert covington was everywhere and it looked like he was covering for nurkic now which he shouldn't have to do because nurkic is a defender and i was just like god somebody get poor robert covington a break we 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 did our recent we recently did our like we do an annual playlist every season for the songs that remind us of the season coming up and i chose you've got a friend in me for robert covington because robert oh. covington was absolutely everybody's best friend last season and it looks like he's gonna try to have to do that again this season See, these are the topics that, like, the Blazers, I, 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 this, is, this is great stuff to me. I'm with you. I mean, as someone who loved Robert Covington from, uh, he was, again, he played with Houston, uh, what, two years ago. Uh, I really wanted that to work because I wanted Russell Westbrook to work, and that was the idea. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Like, it's just, wow. It's something to be said. I think about the entire way they're going about it. Um, and just, like, it's, like, shrouded in secrecy, but it's not really, but it totally is. And, like, the, 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 it's like right in front of you, like what their plan is, but it also isn't because, okay, it's veterans. Like they're doing that. I thought when you said it was like favorites, I was like, you know, I think that they're trying to like, it's weird, but also Neil O'Shea's direction seems weird. Like we're trying to like build this like direction that we win at everything. You know, we're going to have the vets in the summer league, we're going to win there. We're going to play our guys preseason, win there. And like the actual results have not been like worth the process. I mean, I was there front and center for the Waves games. I wasn't missing Michael Beasley. That was one of my guys. Uh, so I watched a few Portland games, and no, they did not look great. I mean, finishing three and five when you had the roster built to win, like you were built, like Kenneth Freed is playing major minutes. Like this is NBA vet Kenneth Freed, a 12 year pro Michael Beasley playing minutes. Emmanuel Moudier running the offense. He's running the offense. He was a top draft pick. And these guys are, and it didn't, it didn't look well in their favor that they didn't win those games. But like, it, yeah. All of that and the highlight was Greg Brown's in-game East Bay dunk. Yes, literally. At which the end, at the end. was amazing. It was. It and was. It took your breath. I guess. I guess I really, I, I really enjoy the young the, watching the young guys play. And so one of the things that I did see that was positive is I feel like Anthony has gotten much more comfortable with handling the ball in a in a more traditional point guard se sense. Um, like I. For the last couple of years, everyone's always like, Anthony's not a point guard. Anthony's not a point guard. And I'm always like, why isn't Anthony a point guard? And they're like, because he, he can get his own shot, but that's kind of where it stops. And this season, I saw um, I saw progress in that um, in that department. So I'm excited to see what Anthony is going to do. Because I, I don't want you guys to think I'm like just like completely down on everybody. Because, you know, I'm not. I support the players. I'm of excited course. about the players. Um 
but you know this is supposed to be Nas Little's years. I'm I'm concerned about him with another injury. You mentioned Rob. You mentioned Wenyan Gabriel. I would love to have Wenyan Gabriel back because I would love to have someone who's over six nine, just like <laughs> you know, a tall person would be amazing to have. So that's why I'm like, maybe Greg Brown has shown enough that we'll see a little bit more of him on the court. I don't know. I just that's I think that's partly why I like memphis and sacramento so much is because they have those young guys who just are like they're just getting started and i just think it's fun to have that kind of energy on the team and right now we have these vets and it's been kind of painful the last couple of years as we've watched the vets inch closer and closer but never quite get there so like maybe if they had some young dynamic guy to just like give them a spark i don't know maybe there <laughs> i agree <laughs> rob what you got uh, I had literal goosebumps and butterflies in my stomach simultaneously when I found out uh, the other year when Gabriel was going to be starting against the Lakers in the playoffs. I, I don't know why, but he was just one of my favorite like short-term Blazers they've ever had like on the defensive end, like exactly what they kind of needed for the future. Um, I don't think it'd be too hard to get him back, truth be told. <laughs> Tara. So maybe, maybe they'll take a run at someone like that. If you know, things aren't working out early on, because I, I don't think Neil O'Shea truth be told has a long time to get it figured out this year. Um, I just don't think he does, but you know, we shall see what, what the vibes are, you know, 10 games in five games in uh, it seems like the Blazers kind of figure it out a few weeks in every year. Um, the first few weeks are usually bonkers, but it's, opening few weeks. Um, I do think, um, you know, another key aspect for the Blazers, and this is, you know, one of the things I want to talk about today with their, their preview and everything is that uh, last year, you know, shortened off season, continued injury troubles. I don't think you see the Blazers have the injury troubles you, they have last year early on um, with a full length off season. So that is probably my biggest optimistic point for the Blazers heading into this regular season is that they have a full off season. They can do their regimens for training, for conditioning, for durability, like they would do their whole careers. I think it, I think it threw the Blazers for a loop uh, more than many teams. I think some of the younger teams having a shorter off season, they were just excited to be in the NBA at their age. You know what I mean? And, um, someone like Michael Porter Jr. in summer league is probably a lot more eager to destroy on offense than someone like Michael Beasley. Um, just because those guys kind of figure eh, if I can't make the NBA play pro somewhere else, you know what I mean? But for Michael Porter Jr. It's like, like people, the buzz around him once he got healthy, like that he's going to like be one of the next faces of the NBA. I think it's tough to compete with that in the summer league when a lot of your guys are, you know, second round picks um, going into it. So hopefully, hopefully we see some promise in these first few games. Very excited to see the Blazers this year. Um, can't think of a year in recent history where I actually bought into like, you know, um, this is the year that they kind of take that next step. Um, I think it was 
it came to a shock to some people when they made the conference finals without Nurkic. Uh, like you said, a key defensive piece and everything, Tara. Um, but nonetheless, they were poised for it and they had the guys to do it. And I don't think the team itself culturally is ever a shock when they have a good playoff run. Um, I think it just comes as a shock that it's not other teams that are more talked about in larger markets. And I think the Blazers this year, no matter what, like you said, Tara, have nothing but respect for every player on the team and what they do for their community and and what this team can be this year. Well, and it's kind of a blank slate. So I'm kind of excited about that because we've seen the same basketball for the last nine years. Like we see the same thing, low assists, low ball movement, low player movement. The young guys don't play. They don't dunk. Like you can like say exactly what the Blazers – you know, team used to look like, and it's a blank slate this year, you know, they're coming from, you know, if, if the new coach is really going to try to be implementing some of the things that he's bringing from the Clippers that drive, kick, shoot, swing, I'm all in, you know, I just hope that it doesn't take too long to work that in. <laughs> Cause I think, you know, Larry, we haven't even talked about Larry Nance. Like there's some, you know, real great potential there. So I am excited about the fact that it's a blank slate. I'm just a little worried that they're trying to do. Yeah, I'm a mom. So sometimes you watch your kids and they're trying to do everything all at once. And you're like, just do one thing at a time. And that's just kind of what I want to tell the Blazers. Like, just add Slow one down. thing at a time. We don't need to change everything all at once. So I'm yeah. excited about like the the possibilities. I just it's I think it might be a little rough as they work their way into it. I do wish Anthony was more talked about this offseason. Did he improve? Did he not? You didn't really hear about it unless you really looked. And that was kind of like you said, one of the big things to look forward to. What is he going to do as more of, you know, a point playmaker and everything like that for more than just his own shot? And hopefully that's one of the first bright spots we see. Yeah, I, I think we're set on the trail. That was a good deep dive on him. I think we uh we got the Absolutely. main event there with the Blazers. So uh how do you want to close that, Robin? We get uh Tara going for the for the evening. I was very excited the entire time and and you know, very excited for what it turned out to be. So uh thanks everyone for joining. Blazing the Path. You can find us on all the socials, Instagram and Twitter at Blazing the Path. Tara, uh, as Corbin said, and the FTC. B-B-I-G-G-S, Team Mom. Check yep. out the work, that amazing work you do on We Have a Take and Step Back Sisters, for sure. Yep, and all and all the socials aforementioned will be in, in the bio wherever you get your podcasts. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great night and a great start to the regular season. Thanks, Tara. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing the Path, a Portland Trailblazers podcast hosted by Rob Hetherington. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for weekly episodes.